0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.
1: How are you? i well. are you?
2: Consequence Podcast Network. I've never been this nervous in my life. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks, as always, for making your way here and checking out the series. I do hope you hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with all the episodes that we put out every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three a week, to keep you up to date on your favorite artists And discover the new ones at all the places that you can subscribe. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. You can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, Recent episodes have included artists like Madison Beer and Fosia, Bethany Cosentino of Best Coast, we talked about the uh, movie They Clone Tyrone with uh, Jewel Taylor and Tony Rattenmeyer. We talked about the movie Heart of Stone with Matthias Schweikofer and Tom Harper. Also, we had Emily Kinney drop by, Lucinda Williams, Ian Hunter from Mattha Janelle Monet, Bruno Major, Keanu Reeves, the cast of Minks, Dylan Arnold, who talked about Oppenheimer, and uh, tons more. That's just a few of the, uh, the guests and an example of what you get when you subscribe to the Kyle Meredith with podcast. And that's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, legendary singer, songwriter, Barry Manilow. We're going to be talking about lots of things. Uh, he's currently out on tour, so we're definitely going to get into that. He's going to tell us about the uh, the money he donates to high school music programs on each stop of this tour. Uh, we'll dig into his love of melodies and how that was the cause of his success as a commercial jingle writer. And his love of electronic artists like uh, Underworld, Fatboy Slim, and Claptone. Uh, Barry's also going to discuss his most recent record, Night Songs 2, came out in 2020. Uh, His musical Harmony, it's been kicking around for about 20 years, finally making its premiere on Broadway, and we'll get the stories behind his debut album, which turns 50 this year, and Manilow sings Sinatra, that turns 25. Not only that, but you're going to get a little news on his uh, next projects that include a pop album and a Christmas LP as well. All that and more. This is a fun one, and I'm so honored to do it. It's Kyle Meredith with Barry Manilow.
1: Hey, Kyle, the story Manilow. I like how you pronounce it Louisville, because nobody else would unless you live there, right?
2: <laughs> you, you really Louisville. do pick that up pretty quickly. I moved here. I mean, I'm from I Kentucky do, anyway. I have, to, yeah.
1: I have to do that one am on stage. I can't say Louisville. <laughs> I can't do that. It's, it's got to be
2: Louisville, right? Louisville, you got it. So you got it, though. It's, it right. sounds really good. Well done, right? <laughs> well, let me say first off, we are excited to have you back in town, August twenty first at the uh, the KFC Yum Center. And and I wanted to because you know not only do you have the pronunciation down, but uh, part of this tour, <laughs> rights That you yeah. that you've been doing that I wanted to hit uh, really quickly is. Uh, is giving money to music teachers and supporting music programs in schools. And, uh, and we had one of the, uh, uh, what do you call it, beneficiaries uh, of, of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, his name's Doug Elmore, right across the river in Southern Indiana at Floyd Central High School, and $10,000. This is something you've been doing for a while, right?
1: Yeah, we have. Well, you know, I've been doing this uh, uh, contest thing is uh, is new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the Manila Music Project, we've formed that about, 15 years ago, maybe more, because um, uh, I got a phone call from a friend uh, and he said that uh, he needed a sax for his daughter because they didn't have a sax in her high school. I said they didn't have a sax. I don't know that mean. And uh, when I started to poke around about it, sure enough, all the high schools in the country are struggling for musical instruments because they don't get any money from the government anymore. So music and arts are, you know, are struggling uh, all of, all over the country. And the music department, well, you know, they they these kids are playing broken down instruments. Or, you know, they're looking for everything. They need everything. They need music stands. They need uh, robes for the choir. They they just. Are, but these kids are still. They send me videos. These kids are still loving music classes. They just love it it becomes their second family they walk in they're kind of geeky when they walk in and when they walk out they they have become musicians Mm -hmm. and it it does change a a kid's life and it's all because of these music teachers they they kill themselves they go out and buy instruments for the kids by themselves Mm -hmm. um you know it just moved me so much so uh, I've been doing something every time we go on the road. Either uh, i giving out pianos on one tour and, um, and begging uh, the audiences to give us some instruments that they're in their uh, if they're collecting dust in their uh, in their uh, attic or their basement. But this year we decided to do a a, uh, a contest, and uh, I've been doing that for a couple of uh, a couple of uh, tours, and uh, it's just great. It, like you said, I give them some some money, I meet them backstage, and I say hello to their families and their friends, and then I introduce them from the audience, and it's just great to watch these music teachers who are usually ignored to become heroes for a whole evening. I just love, love doing
2: The music programs I had growing up, and it did make me reconsider that and think about it and just what I was exposed to. At that time, because mm-hmm. because you know we did some some popular songs at the time, but there was so much history that I learned from them as well, and mm. you know choir and troubadours and and, and, and things yes. like that, and uh, yes, and just opening that door to a different style of of songwriting of melody, um, which I think is something that you've studied, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that you are quite the scholar at, um, you know? And...
1: Well, you know, for me, you're, you're right. I I uh, love a melody. I'm very good at it. And every time i try to to do something that's atonal, uh, you know, I start off being a little atonal and by the end, everybody's singing along with it and I can't stop myself because I, you know, I love a melody. You know, I, I go back to Gershwin and Cole Porter and, all those guys that you know my my stepfather showed me when I was younger, and those were the kinds of um, songwriting that I loved. I loved uh, you know great melodies and uh, so i've always i 've always tried to do that, that you know that 's why I was pretty popular in uh, doing commercials because um, mm-hmm. i, I don 't know if you know I used to mm-hmm. write commercials um, when I started off, and the trick to writing a, a hit commercial is a catchy melody and that's what i learned and then when i when i got my uh, a record deal well that went right into pop music because the trick well it used to be the trick to a hit record is a catchy melody they call it the hook and you know and that's what i love doing so that's you know a melody yeah you give me a melody i'm a happy guy
2: and i know you still you know listen to to all the different styles and and everything but I, and I try not to be pessimistic, but I it does feel like, and, and maybe it's just eras and phases, but but I do feel like sometimes, and maybe we're in it now, um, maybe not. But but there's a lot of pop artists who who don't subscribe to that same thing. Like, melody isn't the driver for a lot of songs, and and yeah, yeah, you're
1: right. Do, do, yeah, you're right.
2: Like, do you hear that in modern music? Do you do you still find that in in any way, or, or are you sort of in the
1: camp that I'm at right now? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't find it because I stopped listening. Uh, I c- I couldn't bear it. And, you know, it was about great rhythm. You got to give them, the producers credit. They really figured out a way of making wonderful sounding records. But but it's not based on melody. It's really based on great rhythm. You know, all these great loops and um, and uh, and sounds that you can get from your computer. It's just wonderful. Uh, but what's happening on top of those great loops? Well, it doesn't uh, it doesn't move me at all. I'm still looking for a great melody, so I, uh, I can only I can only listen for so long.
2: And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies. Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Barry Manilow. But that great rhythm. Uh, y- you incorporate some uh, electronic music into your show in some surprising ways. Oh yeah.
1: You know it's interesting because um, I-, I hope I'm right, but this the, this show, even though I'm singing songs that you know that I recorded many years ago, from from my ears, it doesn't sound like an oldie's show Mm -hmm. because I've never let them sit there and I never do them the way I did the records. Oh, sure. I do the layout of uh, all the songs, the sound of the songs. I've upgraded them every five to 10 years. And, you know, they, they don't sound like an oldie show. They just sound more contemporary than uh, they would. If I hadn't uh, listened to all the stuff that I love, like, you know, I I I I I, just, I don't know if you know, but I love electronica. Mm-hmm. I really do. You know, underworld and uh, Slam and you know, all that stuff. And I I always incorporate a little bit of their their. You know, I, I was um I was doing an interview once and I mentioned uh, claptone. Have you ever heard of this bunch of guys called claptone? They've been great. You know, it's, what was that uh, group that won the the. Uh, and two guys with the masks on. Death Punk.
0: Their
1: yeah. Death Punk. They're very much like Death Punk. Um, only I think that they have better melodies than Death Punk. Death Punk had wonderful rhythms, like mm-hmm. I say. But this group, Cap Clapton, you should look them up. So Anyway, I'm, I mentioned it in a few interviews, and they called me, and <laughs> <laughs> they're from Germany. Yes, and uh, to thank me for mentioning their names. And they said, the, you know, do you have any songs that we can play with and I sent them a song that i wasn 't using that I thought they would like, and they did, and they made a Claptone version of that song, and I think it 's even on Spotify anyway um, Claptone you know is a typical example of the kind of stuff that i I, I really do like it 's full of melody, but a lot of great rhythm stuff
2: well there's, and there 's an interesting um, reciprocal uh, talking about generational thing going on with a lot of those groups too i mean uh, uh, groove armada you know i think about their song at yeah. the river where they do you know if you dream of sand dunes and salty air and yeah and, and, and dis- they
1: don't go any further <laughs> <laughs>
2: right disclosure they did where angels fear to tread i mean i, I feel like there uh-huh. is this this generational thing that you, you like you've tapped into them but they've also tapped into you know the same stuff that the same well that you're pulling from
1: that's true even further back than me but you're right uh they 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 they're, they're finding these well here you go with the hook mm-hmm. they're finding these great melodic hooks and they can play around with them and they do
2: it's great and and to hit on you know your most recent album uh talking about not letting you know the dust settle on on a lot of these songs and updating them but night songs too was so good i i love your version of lush life i've always loved that song quite Ooh. a bit great. and Thank uh, and, um, that
1: was, you know, uh, that that was not a commercial. Uh, I mean, that not not to me. That was just, you know, something that I've always wanted to do. That was uh, that I did two of them, and I, I would do a million of them if I could. It's just me, as you know, just me sitting at the piano, and then I put a, a synthesized bass underneath it, and I just love singing those wonderful songs that came way before me, uh, standard standards like that. Uh, yeah, I'm glad
2: that uh, I'm glad that you uh, that you know about that. In fact, uh, I, if you could do 50 more of those, I think I would be just as happy. I, I've got one. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this moment that most people don't get to to, to make one request. Uh, if you're doing yeah. night songs of that era, I because I, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you've ever done it, but why try to change me now? Is one of my all-time favorites. Oh, Cy a great one. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's a great one. Yes, that's a great one. Cy Coleman. Yeah. man, Cy Coleman. He was the shit, wasn't he? <laughs> Very much. Was the shit. <laughs>
2: <He> was. <laughs> and I think that you know, you, you, I should also bring up because you know, talking about your your creative muscle and and working these different styles, uh, Harmony is also a project that you've been working on off and on for twenty five years, and it's finally making its way to Broadway. So, first, congratulations yeah. on that.
1: Thank you. I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. They They just sent me the the final big ad, uh, you know, that they're going to be in in newspapers and all. And really, it's gorgeous. Just gorgeous. And I start to Goose, my collaborator, is this really happening? Because, you know, we've been down so many disappointing roads roads and it just killed us every single time mm-hmm. because we always got so close to, to getting to, to new york to getting to Broadway, and we always hit some brick wall we got to start all over again with a new producer and um but we you know every time we we put it up around four times and it always got great reviews great reactions from audiences oh the cast loved it this is the greatest thing we've ever done and then we would hit some brick wall that, uh, that stopped us from coming to New York. But this time, this guy named Ken Davenport, who was our producer this time, he actually did it. He took us all the way to New York. And so, of course, on our fingers, that um, we won't hit another brick wall this time.
2: Well, and for those who don't know what it is exactly, but this is, this tells some of the story of the uh, the comedian harmonist from the uh, 20s and 30s in, in Germany,
1: correct? Right. It's the, yeah, the comedian harmonist. We, we... um. Uh, Bruce saw a documentary on them one afternoon, amazing and, um, and called me and said, "I think I found it—the the, the, the story that uh, we, we might want to write uh, a, a musical." He was Bruce Sussman; my, he wrote the book and the lyrics, and we've been best friends for many years. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, you know, so I looked it up, and um, and you know, it's a very interesting story. They were—they were very, very talented. Uh, They're kind of a combination of. A, Manhattan Transfer and the Marx Brothers. They were comedians and harmonists. They, their harmonies were very complicated. And uh, they were funny and they were slapstick. And uh, they made, uh, uh, sold millions of records when records weren't selling, but millions, especially in Germany and around the world. And they made uh, 13 movies. And these and I saying, who are these guys? How come we don't know them? Hmm. Um, Anyway, the the reason we don't know them is the story of Harmony. Um, It's a very compelling story, and, uh, and, you know, it's funny, and it's very moving, and uh, we'll see if everybody else loves it the way we do.
2: (laughs) Well, when you put this much uh, passion in on something, I'm sure that's for a reason, so I don't doubt. I can't wait to see it myself. I am looking forward to it. Uh, I've been kind of following along. On the videos that have been posted online, so that's up. Uh. And again, the show, and and we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Barry Manilow. And I know there's a few anniversaries uh, that goes along with this year. I, I don't know if you incorporate incorporate them specifically into the show, but it's the 50th anniversary of your debut album.
1: Um, I didn't know that. Thanks a lot for <laughs> reminding me. <laughs>
0: 1973,
2: fifty years ago. By the way, so what's you know? I I know that there there is a storied history of that. How you know it, it didn't really take off at the beginning, and then and then people found it after your second album came out. But still, opening your debut album with that uh, home recording of of yeah. sing it seemed yeah. to me yeah. like that you know. Like, what are the odds, right, that that your very first track on your very first album is basically saying, all right, Barry, go and sing it. Like, like this is if a, an artist had said, all right, my first track, my first album is going to be, hello, <laughs> and we begin. <laughs> yes, like, you must have yes. had so much faith. It feels like you might have known something would happen eventually.
1: No, I never, never. I, listen, I never had eyes to do any of this. Never. I was going to be in the background of, You know, I I was going to be an arranger like Nelson Riddle. I was going to be a composer. I was going to be a a conductor. Uh, You know, never, never did I think about getting up on a stage and and performing. It was the last thing on my mind. You know, I used to work for Bette Midler. I was a music director and arranger. And I was very happy in jobs like that. that. You know, after Bette, I was going to go on to the next person. But um, it didn't work out like that because <laughs> I made a demo and Bell Records liked the demo and they put it out and it kind of bounced along. And then they gave me a record deal, but they wouldn't give me a record deal if, unless I, uh, you know, con- committed to performing on the road. But I had never done that. Um, and, but, uh, you know, I thought, you know, making a record of my stuff. Sure. As a singer. Come on, you're kidding. I called Bette and I said Bet. I think I just got a record deal. And she said, doing what? <laughs> <laughs> I said singing. She said, well, you don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> just so, wait. I mean, that's how, that's how far away uh, singing or performing was. Nobody thought that, I, that you know, that everybody was surprised that I got a record deal. But, you know, Bill Records was looking for their guy because it was James Taylor and Carol King who was the singer they're their singing songwriter and I fit the bill. So I made that first album. I thought, well, you know, it's sold five copies. I thought, well, that would be the end of that. And then Claude Davis took over Bell Records and made it into Arista Records, and, and he gave me Mandy, which, of course, I turned down because I am the songwriter. <laughs> and he kept pushing this <laughs> this rock and roll song called Brandy and said, to do it right, it's a hit record. And well, he was right. Uh-huh. And, you know, I found the love song hiding in this song called Brandy, and uh, well, the rest is history,
2: yeah. The uh, sort of the the, the you know, what do we, what do we call it the, the different route that you could have taken, especially knowing that it was originally maybe a rock demo, because you know, you hear yourself finding that your voice uh, or, or just searching around maybe on, on with genres, having fun with genres on that debut album, like yeah. I mean, the 70s guitar of Flashy Lady, like, uh-huh. could that have been a route that you mm-hmm. might have also taken?
1: No, I, you know, I I would stand in the uh, in the vocal booth and scream, just scream for 15 minutes so my voice would, <laughs> would sound more more hoarse. I'm really it was, it, it was crazy days, crazy days. But you know what's interesting about that first album? Because you know I come from accompanying singers on broad in Broadway, and I love Broadway musicals and stuff. So I would accompany. Burn and Peters, and Donna Mcetzi, and you know, they would always get the job because I'm a great accompanist. I'm not a great piano player, but I'm a great accompanist. So I, you know, I did that for everybody. And um, and then I come from cabaret, and cabaret, they would do stuff like that first cut on that album, that's first thing It Barry. Mm-hmm. You know, from from cabaret, they would do stuff like that and medleys of songs you never heard of. You know, songs about trees and they would do a medley about trees you know and that's what i grew up loving and that's why that album is so diverse because i you know i thought well you know that's what everybody does but everybody doesn't do that (laughs) i I realized
2: (laughs) it makes for a great listen and and throughout your catalog it's also the 25th anniversary of uh manilo sing sinatra which came out in 98.
1: oh god you're killing me i love that album so much
2: I went back and re-listened to that. I hadn't in a, in a bit, but, uh, uh, man, in the wee small hours of the morning, that one gets me. Oh, God.
1: Well, you know, that wasn't me. That was Johnny Mandel. I mean, it was just such an honor to work with this guy. I went up to his place in Malibu, and we just... Oh, I had the, most, the greatest time running back and forth on the keyboard. No, let's try this chord. No, let's try that chord. You know, he was, he was the guy, man. Yeah.
2: Is there... um. Is there a trick to performing Sinatra that's different from others?
1: No, you know, from my experience on the on the record, um, because I'm an arranger, just like Johnny Mandel. Mm-hmm. I'm an arr- not as good, but uh, I'm, I, I got good ideas. He's got great chord changes. Oh my God, chord changes from heaven! But I, I've got good ideas. I, I did. I had good ideas for the Sinatra album. You know, come dance with me, come fly with me. That's that's a really interesting arranger's. Uh, idea, and uh, you know, uh, but singing it, you know, no, I never even thought about Sinatra when I was doing it, because you can't, I mean, he was one of a kind, you can't, you know, I mean, I would have just, like, f- I would have froze if I thought about that.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad you did it the way you did it, uh, certainly. Uh... It's a great yeah. record, and as is like I said, all of them. Uh, I love the the recent stuff with night songs too. I do hope. Um, I'm I'm curious where you're going to go next. Do you know where you're going to go next, album wise? It's been a few
1: years. Yeah, ago? yeah. I've got I've got a pop album that's just about ready to go. It's it's a, I haven't done one like this in a million years. You know, it probably will sound like you know something from Mars <laughs> to these <teenage> kids. Um, has <laughs> got a, it's got melodies in it. Oh my god. But it's got melodies, and it's got good lyrics, too. Oh, no, good lyrics. (laughs) It's got beautiful lyrics, and it's got beautiful melodies, and really nice arranging, and I sound good on it. And uh, so that's the next uh, project. And uh, I'm also working on a Christmas album, and it may be too late, so I'll release a couple of cuts from the Christmas album. You know, I'm telling you, I just don't stop. You know, I'm a million years old, and I just don't stop. <laughs> Lucky for us that you don't stop. Out. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, you
1: can hear I'm talking fast. I'm full of energy, and you know, you know. I don't know. I, I'm waiting for the, you know, for, to get old, and I don't seem to be doing that yet. Thank goodness.
2: <laughs> Sometimes we just forget. We forget all about getting old. And uh, <laughs> yeah, thank goodness yeah. that's happening. Barry, <laughs> it was such an honor to talk to you. August twenty-first, you'll be oh, here yeah. in Louisville. I'm looking forward to seeing you there too. Thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Thanks, Kirby. I had a great time with you. Okay,
2: bye-bye. My thanks to Barry Manilow, currently on tour, and uh, looking forward to those new records as well. Thanks to you, again, for checking out the episode. Please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with the entire series. Again, you do that. I'll give you three brand-new interviews every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up-to-date on your favorite artists. Discover the new ones. Again, you can do so at uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts at uh, nprwfpk.org, YouTube for the video versions, anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And then after that, head over to wfpk.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern, four hours of the best in new music, tons of your favorite classics. There's music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews a recent show of mine had the uh, the music of uh, the police the jam eddie vetter prince radio citizen willie nelson bob dylan rem radiohead the smashing pumpkins valerie june duran jones patty griffin angelique Kidjo, david gray garbage liz fair television tegan and sarah peter gabriel and my interview with Janelle Monet. That's just an example of what you get every weeknight starting at 6 p.m. at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news, and you can catch me on the social media spots, uh, any social media place. Uh, my address is at Kyle Meredith, so I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time.